Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Now, here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to IG2G. This, I'm assuming, is episode 46, because that's what my notes say. If it's not episode 46, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell Matt you. Matt doesn't even know where we're at right now. <laughs> I mean, my notes say 45 is the last one. I don't I don't think I've missed one. But no, you hey. haven't missed an IG2G. All right, around 46. All right, good. So welcome to episode 46, maybe. I'm Matt. You heard him already. It's Eric. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff today. We've got all kinds of games to talk about. And hey, maybe we've got too many games to talk about. Oh, what am I talking about? Check that out later in the episode, because we're going to get going in 3, 2, 1. Number 5. Starting it off this week, I got a game that I'm very excited about. It's called Sunless Skies. This dropped on the 31st of January, developed and published by Fail Better Games. This is only out right now for Linux, Mac, and PC, and I think it's actually out. I think they said they're leaving early access, or maybe it's just playable on early access now. I don't really know, but it's not available for PS4, which is where I want it to be available for yet. So I haven't played it, so I haven't gotten too much into it. But what is Sunless Skies? It's the actual canonical narrative sequel to Sunless Sea, which I got into super heavy this year, or this past year. If you don't know what that is, it's Fallen London, but in a game format. If you don't know what Fallen London is, oh my god, it's Lovecraftian, gothic horror, all kinds of really cool stuff, very narrative-based. So in this one, in Sunless Skies, you're a sky locomotive captain. You're going all through the stars, basically going around in this Lovecraftian, Victorian-era kind of universe. It's kind of got some steampunk elements. It's got some like I said, some horror elements, some really creepy stuff you can find. You're basically going all around. You're just making your living as a sky captain. And basically, just like Sunless Seas was, you were the sea captain. You're going around. It's kind of a, it's kind of roguelike-ish because your, your captain can definitely go insane, die, eat your crew members, get horrible curses put on them, all kinds of stuff. When you die... You take up the role as like his one of his underlings. Like maybe you were his commander, maybe you were his deck boy, maybe you were his long lost relative, and you carry over bonuses from one life to the next. So you go through this whole really interesting, creepy, but also like eerily fascinating world that the Fallen London people have put together. Fail Better Games is amazing at doing narrative content. If you've heard me talk on this show before about Sunless Sea and Fallen London, they're amazing. They're great. If you've never played either one of them, obviously Sunless Sea you got to pay for. Sunless Skies you got to pay for. Fallen London is a free browser-based game. So if you don't know if you like it, Google it, hit it up. You can play it for free. It's it's really engrossing. I would say the only thing about Fallen London, Sunless Sea, and a little bit of this game is once you find certain encounters that you go through, they change a little bit, but not a lot. So you can kind of like farm those same encounters and you'll see the same story content. But there's all kinds of things in all of these universes. And it's you know kind of a big shared universe. But it's really interesting to just go explore and see what you can find. And see what stories you can unlock. At In Sunless Sea it was all the ports. Here I'm assuming it's like planets and asteroids and things. Because you're, you're flying out in the sky. From what I've seen, this game is even more beautiful than Sunless Sea was. Like the backgrounds are actually a little bit animated and alive. They really, really bring to life the atmosphere of the areas you're going into. All I can really say is if you like these universes, you're going to love this game. I definitely recommend it. If you can find it like on sale or on the cheap, definitely give it a try because there is pretty much nothing else like it out there, all these Fail Better Universe games. So Sunless Skies is out now. It's the newest one. It's the best one. I've been hearing the UI is a little better. The navigation of the world is faster and more intuitive. It like jumps you into the whole universe a little bit better than Sunless Seas did a long time ago. So go check out Sunless Skies. You're not going to find anything else like it. And especially if you like narrative stuff, you need to be playing this game. Number four. So Resident Evil 2, everybody. This game has been remade, redone, and put on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Currently available right now for you to pick up. Everyone's talking about it. Streaming all over the place because it's an amazing game. They have outdone themselves. So not only did they remake the beloved survival horror game, Resident Evil 2, but they changed it up, made it more interesting, added a whole different, whole, not a whole storyline, but a whole section of story that wasn't previously in the game. So you get more lore, you get more story, you get more character interaction. 
it's just beautiful. Now, anybody who has never played the original Resident Evil 2 needs to do themselves a favor and pick up this title because this game and, of course, the original Resident Evil are what started the whole survival horror push, getting everybody on board. That's where Dead Space got all of its, you know, all of its ideas, not all of its ideas, but it got a lot of its ideas. It got an inspiration from Resident Evil. Silent Hill came along because of Resident Evil. So a lot is owed to these titles. And in this, you can play as Leon Kennedy. He's a first day on the job police officer coming in and going, oh my God, things have gone awry. Or you can play as Claire Redfield, who is Chris Redfield's sister, whom, if you don't know, in the first game, you play as Jill Valentine or Chris Redfield, stuck in the mansion trying to get out of this Umbrella Corps whore. You know what I mean? It's bad news bears. Do they survive? I don't know. Did they? Maybe. All I know is Chris Redfield has biceps the size of like a large boulder in Resident Evil 5. He punches <laughs> oh boulders. My God. <laughs> They're so big. He's such a badass dude. You know what? We don't talk about the later Resident Evils. Past Code Veronica, they don't exist. Okay. Hey, you know what? I, I watched somebody play through six, and it was a laugh riot. It was great. So uh, I'll give six some credit, man. Yeah, we do. We don't count those. We we only go one through one through Code Veronica, and then seven. I guess I haven't played seven, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But the the ones that everyone remembers, the ones that people consider the the best, are one through three, and then of course four people consider to be the top one. But I. Don't like it. I think it veered away from the uh, zombie shindig, and that's why I thought Resident Evil was amazing. Once they went to weird, just people, I didn't care anymore. Whatever. Any of the who's. What made this game great was the atmosphere. You get stuck in this police station, either as Leon or Claire, which their paths do cross at different points in the game if you play uh, the the alternative rounds, you know. But if you just play the first storyline... I don't think they do the first time. No, they do. They do. Crap. Yeah, they did. They do cross path. And don't they change based on who you play first anyway? Like the second person runs across stuff that the first person did or something? Because I've never played they, it myself. Okay, no, they got rid- that was the zapping system from the old school version where, say, like yeah, yeah, if yeah. you were Leon and you grabbed up all this armor in this one room or did this or that and then went back through as Claire, it would be all gone or the the enemy would be dead already they got rid of that they do have the different playthroughs like they did back then but instead of it being everything's you know not there that you took from there they just changed around some of the scenes so stuff changes a little bit the locations of the puzzles change a little bit where you meet that kind of stuff so it it isn't super dynamic like it was back then which i don't know why they changed it that way but whatever not sure why they decided to do that because it was it used to be that like because it would make it just like you said more dynamic mm-hmm. like oh I remember this place this is where I found that oh no I took it already sure, or yep. maybe maybe in, because you opened the locker now there's a zombie that got in the locker or something mm-hmm. so just to change it up and make it more interesting they do they do change some things up though like in the first playthrough you'll come across you know some dogs that are all in a in a place I won't say where. And then on the second playthrough, if you go through and you're like, oh, here we go, here we go, you'll find that maybe those dogs had a bad thing happen to them and something else is going on. So okay. there is replayability in going through Claire's and then Leon's and then back to the, the alternate B paths or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. So there is that. So you get around six, seven, up to ten hours, I guess, from each playthrough, and then you can go through the alternate storylines. And you have to, if you want to get the true ending, you have to play through both stories, then do the the B sides, and then the true story, the ending, the true ending anyway, because the story will be similar. But along the way, if you play as Leon, you'll meet Ada Wong. If you play as Claire, you'll meet uh, oh, what's her name? Gosh, bless, it's been too long. The little girl. Little girl, I don't care. It doesn't matter, everybody. You're gonna be a little girl, so you're gonna boo, get a very boo, boo. oh my god! Say I her name. Say her name. I don't know Say names. Her name. Say her I'm name. I'm surprised I remember Ada Wong. Say her name. <laughs> Was it Shay something? Oh my gosh! Like I remember. Shay's your friend, Eric. That's not no. That's <laughs> well, not right. maybe it was Shay I saved. You know what I mean? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You're gonna meet a little orphan girl. <laughs> Orphans are important, Matt. Why, That's why true. do I got to remember her name? You meet, Oliver Twist taught me that. Oh, gosh. You meet a little orphan girl, which is where, funny enough, the whole story 
changes a bit because in the original they never really speak about uh, the orphanage or anything like that. But this, there's a whole section involving the orphanage. So that's pretty cool. They've added a little bit. The graphics have been completely improved. They got rid of the clunky battle system where you'd have to move along like a tank and then control up and down and whatnot. It's all like Resident Evil 4's. Nice over-the-shoulder, smooth combat, shooting the zombies, which you have limited ammo, so you have to be very careful with how you're dealing with things. you got to learn that you can run past these zombies, trap them in rooms that you know you don't need to go into anymore. Uh, there's going to be cases where you can barricade windows, so you want to strategically do things like that. And all the while, there's a big old dude, Tyrant, Mr. X, who's going to be hunting you down. But he's not like Nemesis in 3. He just, you know, he's just there, and if he senses you around, he comes after you, but he doesn't actively hunt you the whole time. So that's a whole other shindig going on that keeps the suspense, keeps the survival horror aspect of it. And then, on top of it all... Your health is very, very tiny, so you got to make sure you're getting them herbs, storing them in your magical boxes, and then just resource management. That's basically what this is about, and then knowing that around the corner anything is possible, anything can happen, and it does happen often. The scares, from what I hear in this one and from what I know in the old school one, are fantastic. They're everywhere. You're constantly tense. You're constantly knowing that something bad's going to happen. So I recommend everybody get out there, check out some Resident Evil. This is the grandfather, the bad mamma jamma that made Survival Horror what it is. And I'm glad to see it back. And I hope that since this is getting traction everywhere, going for a renaissance, dang it. I want my Survival Horror games back. And I hope that means Dead Space comes because that's the best one in the whole wide world. Number three. So every single week on here, whenever Eric talks about the Switch, he says, the Switch is the only system there is. Anything else is a dead system, especially that 3DS. That's a dead system. Well, I'm here again this week to prove him wrong. Shut up, Eric, because there's a brand new game coming out on the 3DS. This is dropping the same day as this episode. The fifth, it's Etrian Odyssey Nexus, developed and published by Atlas exclusively for the 3DS this basically, I mean, it's Etrian Odyssey, if you don't know what that is by now. It's a first-person dungeon crawling game where you put together a team of warriors with all different skills and stuff, and you go through, you crawl through those dungeons, you get more loot, you unlock more floors of the dungeon, you keep going down and down, you fight big bad enemies, you have a grand old time, and the other cool thing, because this is always on DS or 3DS, is you use that bottom screen and your little stylus to actually draw a map of the floor you're in. And that doesn't sound very interesting. Like, when, before I had ever played an Etrian Odyssey game, I was like, that's stupid. Why do I want to draw a dumb map? But there's something about going through. Like, you're going th forward three steps, so you fill in the walls on either side. And only now you found this big room. So you, even though there's not, you know, specifically a lot of things in those rooms, you go and you find those walls so you can pencil them in on your little map. And, oh, there's a treasure chest, but it's locked, so you drag the little locked treasure chest icon and you put it right there so you know next time you find a key, where was it? Oh, yeah, let me zoom out on my map. There it is. Or here's a door I can't go through. Or here's, like, a big, like, tree that I got to cut down to do something. And you put that icon right there on your map. And it's super addicting. I don't... I, there's no way to convey it without telling you to go and do it. I know there's a couple of Etrian Odysseys that have demos on the 3DS. That's what hooked me on Etrian Odyssey. So if that sounds interesting at all, or just weird, go try those. But if you like it, you can get the brand new one, Etrian Odyssey Nexus, right now. This one is basically a love letter to all the Etrian Odyssey fans. I've heard it's a perfect place for new fans to jump in but if you are a big fan of the series as you're going through the dungeons you're going to see dungeons and enemies and big boss creatures and characters from previous etrian odyssey games so if you know the series if you followed it forever there is new content there's new dungeons and enemies and characters and abilities and all this other stuff but if you've been following the series since the jump since the original ds you're going to run into these dungeons and these characters and go oh, yeah, I remember playing with that person or fighting that guy or going through this woodsy area or whatever it is. So if you love Etrian Odyssey, if you love dungeon crawlers, you should definitely pick this up. I mean, if you've been playing Etrian Odyssey for a while, you're probably, you probably have it already. You've pre-ordered it because Etrian Odyssey people are nuts about their games, their genre. I really love it. So I'm, 
you know, I want to pick this up, but I already have one that I'm like halfway through right now. So I should go back and finish that up. You know me, I half finish games and I leave them for like eight years. And then I go, well, well, I can't get the new one because I got to finish the old one. That's stupid. I should get this because it's the best Etrian Odyssey you're going to get. It's the very last one for the 3DS before it makes the jump to Switch or wherever or just maybe goes away forever. So if you love Etrian Odyssey, you got to get it. You got to get it. Just get it. Get it and have a fun time drawing your little maps with me. It's going to be great. Number two. Kingdom Hearts 3, everybody. Did you ever think I was going to be saying this? Did you ever no, think I was going to be saying, saying this? this? You don't even know what it's about. You never played it. Get out of here. This game has been in production hell for a thousand and one years, all right? I, I still don't believe it's out. I know. Like, I've seen Danny put a screenshot of, <laughs> look, it's installing. Yeah, right. No. You, you do art and stuff. You, you, you mock you that up on a piece it. of paper. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It ain't real. It's not real. It's out, everybody, for the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Today, as we speak, here you go. You can pick it up. I shouldn't really have to explain what Kingdom Hearts is, but I'll try to very, 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 very briefly. It's about a main character named Sora, in which case he wakes up. uh, He's on an island. He's with his buddies. Something bad happens. His buddies go whoosh. They fly away. He goes after him, tries to save him. He meets Disney characters in the form of Donald Duck and Goofy, and then goes on an adventure trying to save his friends, like I just said. He meets Mickey Mouse. Mickey tells him stuff's going on. He meets a bunch of Final Fantasy characters, a bunch of weird characters in hoods, telling him all sorts of crazy stuff. He ends up saving the day, losing himself, but then finding himself. Kyrie is back together with him, but then Kyrie disappears again. Riku is a good guy. Riku is a bad guy. That's his other buddy. All sorts of crap goes down. Un- uh, Heartless come in. Uh, nobody's come in. They're flying through space and time. Bad guys multiplied into different bad guys. He's the same guy, but he's in different forms. He's doing crazy stuff. It's all happening. Whoop, Mickey flies in and does a thing, and Keyblades are dancing and prancing around. It's bananas. I get it. I'm following You're starting to understand, really right? Well. I got it now. 100%. Yeah, okay. Well, Sora's like split into different things. He's got like a nobody named Roxas and Roxas that he wants to save Roxas, but he can't because it's his nobody, but he still thinks he can. So he's going to like try to find a way to, I don't know, split his heart. I don't understand. doesn't matter. And here we are now through 10 games, 50 iterations, lots of madness and insanity. Sora's lost his abilities and he has to get his abilities back. Classic story, right? So you're telling me this is a Metroid (laughs) game, basically. There's been a whole bunch of happened but i can't shoot missiles right that's now. right so i gotta go learn how to do the missiles again <laughs> so he's lost his abilities he's got to get him back he he needs to be the keyblade master but he's not right now so off he goes and then while he's doing that if you don't know Sora's a big hearted fellow he always wants to help somebody and since apparently the other team squad or whatever is going after Kyrie, he says i need to figure out a way to save roxas i'm not going to let roxas be forgotten so you're off to find your abilities and save roxas that is what you're up to of course you have donald and goofy by your side and the heartless are after you as they always are the the nobodies uh, what is it, organization 13 they're still kicking they're still around they're on their own agenda and maleficent and all the evil disney villains still have their own plans and what they want to do so you Sora, travel to all the different Disneylands. You go to Tangled, Toy Story, Big Hero 6. I've never really watched that one, so I'm not familiar with it. You go to the Pirates of the Caribbean World and a whole bunch more. Frozen, that's a big one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a bunch more. You'll be all over the place saving the princesses of the land just like you did in the previous get-ups. The really cool part about this one, all right, is that instead of just having Donald and Goofy and then having to interchange players if you want to switch them out because you could just have the three, you can have, I think it's five characters in this one. So when you go to these new worlds and say, uh, say Rapunzel wants to join your team, boom, you can have her in there on your team fighting the Heartless instead of having to switch out your characters and screw around. And then apparently Aqua comes in there a lot and Riku comes in and helps, which that I'm excited about because you didn't really get to see them in action very much. Each world, of course, is based off the Disney movie it's part of. When you go in, your character Sora and all get a whole different vibe going. They get a whole different costume going. You're going to get Keyblades based off these worlds. 
And the real cool part about the Keyblades is you can upgrade them. So you'll be able to get their abilities up and do special combos with them and turn them into different things like nunchucks, bazookas, knives. So you can become like a long-range attack. And, and then unlike Part 2, which I'm sad, they got rid of the dual-wielding. You'll, but in this one, instead of dual wielding, you'll have three keyblades that you can have on at any given time and do quick swaps with. So you can build your you know your character the way you like. If you want to be a mid range, you know melee magic user, you know basically long range attacker. And it's a hack and slash system. So you're running around, you're flying through the air. It's very very light. Sora just kind of flies all over the place doing combos. You're linking attacks up. You're doing summons. The more you attack, you get the points to get these summons, which are basically, in this one, Disney rides. And, in fact, if you want to know which ones, I have it pulled up. They've got Disney Park Attractions as your summons. The Mad Tea Party, Big Thunder Mountain, Railroad, Buzz Lightyear, Astro Blasters, uh, and the Grizzly River Run. So... You're using attractions you as gotta, your summons. We got to tell Howard to yeah. get on this well, game. He saw yeah. he saw a little flicking of it earlier today, and he goes, "Oh, my wife's probably gonna buy that." And I said, "Do you even know what it is?" Nobody that see Disney characters that she's gonna want it. <laughs> I just like, oh my god, I can't take it. <laughs> as I was saying, you get summons, you've got combo links, all this other good stuff from the different Kingdom Hearts, all built into one. He kind of fused different ones and made it into a. It looks like a lot of fun. I've heard mixed, though. Some people don't like how flighty and light and insane it all is. It's a spectacle. You know, everything you do doing is sparks everywhere, combo numbers flying. Like I said, Sora goes all over the place. I personally loved it. I used to think that was a ton of fun, so I'm sure I'm going to like it. But if that's not for you, eh, you know, you might want to stay away. And if you're more of the Final Fantasy kind of guy than you are the Disney, you're probably going to also want to back away. Because they really kind of stepped away from Final Fantasy. And from what I hear, they only really included it back in the day because they they thought they needed it to push the game. They thought they needed to have that in there to get the gamers' attention and get them on Kingdom Hearts. But now that it's standing on its own, it's kind of non-existent. So it's all just about Sora, his crew, and the Disney characters. Which I'm fine with. You know, I'm not a Disney clown like you know Howard, but I enjoy it. <laughs> But you do have the kids who love the Disney, yes. so you can play Dis- You can play this with the exactly. kids, Exactly, and that's why I've been trying to finagle a way to get the PS4 Pro for down here and then move the PlayStation, my other PlayStation upstairs so that way I can start playing with them upstairs on the normal TV and with you know the wife and everything else because she likes Kingdom Hearts too. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to finagle that, but whatever. That's a side story. So I've told you about the combat. I've told you all the worlds, you're, well, a lot of the worlds you're going to be going to. Hey, the rest is history. If you know Kingdom Hearts, you can't not get this one. If it wasn't for you back then, I don't think it's going to be for you now. But if it was for you, you enjoyed one, you enjoyed two, you enjoyed any of them that were on any of the handheld systems, you got to pick this up because this apparently ends the Xenoheart saga. It doesn't end Kingdom Hearts, but it ends that at least that portion of the story. And you're going to want to know. Don't even shake your head, mate. It's never, it's never going to stop, Eric. <laughs> oh, Kingdom Hearts 4 is going to come out in 27 years. Yes. Hang on, though, guys. We'll, we'll remaster this and one. And then when I'm and we'll 52, do like a, I'll play the next one. It's fine. We'll put out like a Tiger Electronics HD collection version of something. <laughs> nobody's, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody, knows no, nobody really knows even game. what's happening. It doesn't matter. It's just about the fun of it now. And I just want to mm. see Sora get Kyrie in the end, and they go get married, and they have babies. That's it. That's all anybody's ever really wanted to see. That's it. You know? And what's her name? I would rather see Sora get with Nananuki, Nananumi, Nananumi. Oh, uh, what was her name from the Birth by Sleep or whatever? I want to see him get with her. That was that was Kyrie's nobody. Yeah, and then Riku can get with Kyrie because Riku was trying to steal Kyrie back in one anyway. So whatever, whatever, Matt. Yeah, man. Yeah, totally. Hey, that's yeah, it. I'm done. Sure. I'm done. Whatever. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts three. Get it. Woo. Kingdom Hearts three. <laughs> Relationship <laughs> Manager seven. <laughs> Number one. So last but not least this week, I'm going to get you back in the groove, the groove for war. That was terrible. I'm no, going to get you back perfect. in the war groove. That's, uh, that's <laughs> no, it. That's perfect. I'm going to get that you was, back no, in the groove no. of war. <laughs> so yes, I am talking about war groove. This is finally out. I've been seeing this on my Twitter feed for what feels like like three years. Chucklefish tweets about it all the time. They've been releasing soundtrack bits and pieces all the time. Now it's finally out. 
This dropped on the 1st of February for PC, Xbox One, and Switch right now. And PS4 is coming later at some point. I'm hoping that soon so I can play it on my PS4 and have a great old time. Developed and published, like I said, by Chucklefish. This is a tactical RPG in the old Advance Wars or Fire Emblem style. So if you loved Advance Wars, I, I've, talk, I've said this before on the show, if you loved Advance Wars, you're going to love this game. Because it's, it's just that like little bit of mix of Advance Wars and Fire Emblem. Because you, 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 know, you take control of an army, you got units, you got a commander, but your commander is actually on the battlefield. So your, your commander abilities, like there were in Advance Wars, instead of just here's a battlefield effect or you know, whatever, your commander is actually there, moving around, affecting units next to him, around him, doing attacks on his own, using his own abilities. So that's pretty cool. That's a nice little twist on the genre. I think other than that, it's basically Advance Wars. You, you're building up, buying units, deploying units, capturing cities, capturing the capital, fighting enemy units. You got, you know, the kind of the kind of rock, paper, scissors. These units are better against these units. These units are better against those. Blah, 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 blah. So if you know how Advance Wars works, you know how Wargroove is going to work. Some cool things about this one is there are, I think, at least five different factions, and they're all themed appropriately. Like one has a dog commander, and a lot of your units are dogs. One is like a vampire, whole like undead kind of, kind of faction. One is a bunch of plant people. And like I said, all their units are themed around that. So while every faction has the same basic units, they're all going to look different. They're all going to move different. They're all going to, you know... It'll freshen it up. So when you play through the campaign with five different factions, you might be doing the same things in general, but your units aren't going to be doing the same things, if you get what I'm saying. Uh Now, this game also offers you a bunch of ways to play because it does have an about 30-mission campaign, which I'll get back to in a second, but it's also got like arcade modes for each of these factions in which you go through like a five-map scenario against other commanders, and it's quick hits. And what I've heard about the arcade mode is it's a great way to try out different strategies, different units you wouldn't have used, you know, build up your money and buy this really cool unit that you've never seen before, use that, or maybe try and like blitz towards their commander and defeat him real quick instead of, you know, doing the usual, oh, I'm going to save up, I'm going to... Trying to stay alive, make sure you, yeah, make sure you survive at all costs, da 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 Mm-hmm. I've also heard that the arcade ones are a lot shorter. So yeah. if you don't have a lot of time and you really want to finish around, you can go pop an arcade and get a shorter match than you would in the, uh, mm-hmm. the campaign. Which is what I'm looking forward to, because again, I'll get back to the campaign and the kind of the bad things I've heard about it in a little bit. But then it's also got multiplayer in here. So you got two, three, and four-player multiplayer. And you can do team battles, you can do co-op, you can do all free-for-all on your own. So that's kind of an interesting twist on the formula. I think Advance Wars Dual Strike, you could do two players and then each control two commanders, something like that. But I, I like the idea of four commanders all going at it or teaming up against you know two others or working together to fight the AI. So more, more play modes is always a good thing in games like this. And hey, they got a puzzle mode, just like my favorite puzzle mode game, Thronebreaker, in which... It puts you in an almost unwinnable scenario, and it says, clear this map, win the battle in one turn. So that sounds fantastic to me. I love stuff like that, just trying to piece together what my units can do, how they can combo together, how I can use an ability to power up this unit so he can do this. That sounds fantastic. And what else usually sounds fantastic is campaign modes to this game. Now, I've heard that the, f- the writing in the campaign is really funny, like it's honestly genuinely funny it's got a bunch of likable cute characters in it but what i've heard and what i've experienced in advanced wars in the past is that as you're getting later in the campaign these battles can get really really grindy they can take like 45 minutes because you can't take a lot of risks in these games in this game in particular and what i thought was interesting when i was reading that is I don't know if it was the Kotaku review or another one that I read. They said that it's because all the units and the commanders and the abilities and everything you can do is all so well balanced. So it's not like you can steamroll the enemy ever. You, you kind of got to chip away at each other, got to go a war of attrition style and just grind each other down until you slowly either win or lose. And that tipping point can come kind of either just you slowly ground away the units you needed or as a result of a story segment. Like if you're if you gotta survive seven enemy waves or something on this little map, 
and they're coming and coming and coming, and you, you, you think you've almost got it, but on that seventh wave, a giant dragon comes in, and you don't have any anti-air or whatever anti-dragon kind of units because you had no idea it was going to be there. Well, now you just wasted 40 minutes uh-huh. because you lost, and nothing gets more frustrating than that. I mean, that's I love Advance Wars, and that's, what, that's why I never beat any of those games because it got to the point where it was just... I had to just sit there and start churning units and churning and churning and churning and churning. And, oh, look, well, college class is starting, so let me clap my GBA closed. And then it ran out of battery. So, well, when's the next time I'm going to have an hour Uh to just churn and churn and churn and churn away at it? So that's a little disappointing. But if you like Advance Wars, this is your only real fix for pure Advance Wars-style gameplay. So if you loved it, you probably already have it. And if, if, you, if you don't have it already, and it sounds interesting, just keep in mind, you got that arcade mode that's going to give you quick hit action. You got that puzzle mode for that deep strategy. And you got multiplayer, so you can play with your buddies. You also got a map maker. You can make your own scenarios say, yeah. and campaigns. You can, you can yeah. build your own maps and then share them with your friends and play against one another. That, in and of itself, is an entire game, in my opinion. I mean, that's nuts. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, there's a lot of bang for your buck with this one. <laughs> and speaking of that, just recently the developers came out and said that, hey, this has already recouped its development cost, but also bug fixes around the way, more content updates, more DLC. They got all kinds of plans for Wargroove. So if you have it, you're going to have more stuff to look forward to in the future. If you don't have it, maybe get it, because there'll be even more stuff coming down the pipe. There you go, Wargroove, man. Imposter's topic of the day. So for our little topic tonight, Matt, I thought to myself, and I've been thinking to myself quite a lot lately about this one. You do talk about this a I lot. I do, because it, <laughs> it drives me nuts. It, it really does. It just bugs me to no end. It's the fact that there are so many good games now, and they're constantly coming out. I can't keep up with them. I can't even be close to keeping up with them. And I remember back in my heyday of high school, college, that military, that kind of thing, of being on top of the game. I felt like I played all the big noteworthy games. There were a couple of ones that slipped by, but it was because I didn't want to play them. They were they were awesome, but it wasn't for me. And I could keep up. I didn't feel like there was an issue. I didn't feel like it was difficult to keep up and do it. And then as the years progress, sure, you know, I have the wife, I have children, I have a full-time job. I understand that's going to interfere some, but I, do, I just don't think it's interfering enough to where I couldn't, in theory, if we were back in those days, still keep up with all the games I want to play and keep up on. Mm-hmm. And I can't. I can't do it now. There's so much happening, so many games coming out. I personally feel like there needs to be a change. What about you, Matt? I mean, where are you at with this? Yeah, I I agree. I think there needs to be a change. But I think one of the big things about it that, I mean, when you think about why there are so many good games that come out so frequently all throughout the year, I think what you got to think is back in those days, video games weren't the big, booming, giant, billions upon billions dollar industry that it is today. So once you have all those, which you have semi-trucks of money just rolling up to you, well, what are you going to do? You're just going to make more. You're going to make more games so you can get more semi-trucks. So you can make more games so you can make more semi-trucks. So I think, I think that's part of it. Part of the big thing is that, I mean, if people weren't buying and devouring these games in droves like they are, I think we'd still be in that situation of, well, there's four or five big games a year. And, you know, maybe to some people there still are only those four or five big games a year. But overall, I think it's the, the industry has gotten so big that it's, that's why we have this deluge of great games. Just something's coming out every month and it's big and you got to play it and nobody can keep up with that unless that's what you do. And I, you know, and earlier before we got started on this, you mentioned something which is I think partially true, but upon further thought I'm not so sure. Back in the day, most games once you got good at them, you could beat them in like a few hours. It wasn't a big yeah. deal, but I remember spending months and months on some games cuz back then the difficulty didn't come in the length of the story, and, and just, uh, it came from the difficulty of the jump, the platforming, the, the puzzle. It was just, they had to make a lot out of a little. And you were saying, you know, well, maybe it's just because those a lot of those games back then you know, were only six, eight hours or whatever, so it was easier to pop through them. Whereas nowadays, your stories are 20, 40 hours, you know, and then these games as a services that can go on forever, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. 
maybe that's why you're dumping so much time into the four or five titles you do get in a year because it takes them you so long to complete them. Whereas back then, you were you were going boom, boom, six hours, six hours. But I don't remember that because I could swear I spent I don't know months on some of those games trying to beat them. But at the same time, I would work on other titles and go back and forth between them if one was like really frustrating me. And again, I was stumped or whatever, and then I'd come back and then beat that level and go on. And so, were they really only six-hour games? I don't know. Well, I think that's you. You said the kicker right there is you beat that level. It was it, they were usually contained enough that it was one spot that would trip you up. Like I'm thinking about like the Donkey Kong Country games. Those games are huge. Those games are enormous. If you sat down to play it, it would take you a ton of time. But you could get stuck on, you know. King K rules Superboat or whatever mm-hmm. it was. It, but you could go while you were frustrated with that. You go, all right, I'm popping in something else that's quick and easy and I'll just blow through that. Or, you know, I'll do a few levels on this, come back, do a few levels on that. So it seemed, it seemed like they were smaller because the challenge chunks were smaller. It wasn't like you had to slog through 10 hours of this big story segment. It was, you'd get stuck for an, two, four hours on this level. Once you got past it, Maybe you blow through the next ones real quick. So maybe the games weren't that short, but the just thinking about it now, I feel like those challenge spaces were shorter. So once you got through that piece, the next piece was also short, and the next piece was short. Uh-huh. So it was, it was broken up a lot more. That's true. That is true. I don't know. Regardless of, regardless of what it is, Matt, because, you know, it, I guess at this point it doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the, the problem is is how do we fix it? How do we change it? Because it's to the point now where I'm watching probably 10, 15 games a year go by me that I would love to play, that I would just absolutely adore. And I see Xbox kind of moving into a system that could work potentially, where they've got the game, uh, uh, the Games Pass, you, you buy in, mm-hmm. monthly fee, and then you you know every first-party game that's coming out is rolling out for you to you have, and you just own and play as long as you keep mm-hmm. paying that as a service. But even that, I don't think, is good enough. I think like Gamefly mm-hmm. exists, but once again, that's a monthly subscription. Then you got to like put it on an order list of what you want to play, and then based off right. what they have, they send you the game that you want, and then you can play it and keep it as long as you want. But even that, I don't like. You know, and mm. then of course you can go to PlayStation Store and buy any game, but that doesn't solve anything. I can't afford every game there is. Right. So, what do you do? It, what do you do? There's got to be a way to get it so all the video games have a shot, like a rental system of sorts, where if I want to, I could go on to like say the PlayStation Store, and instead of buying, there's a rental function, like maybe there, where it's like three ninety nine for two nights, just like you did at the old rental stores that you know they don't exist mm. anymore, so you can't do that anymore. But boom, now all of a sudden I've got this six-hour, like Resident Evil 2, for example, this six, ten-hour game, two nights, I can beat it. Awesome. I just gave them four or five bucks, whatever it is. I get to play the game I want to play, beat it. It, it. The code expires. I no longer have it. Away we go. What you got to think of two things right there. One, the code expires. You no longer have it unless you hack your PS4 and anything that you put on it siphons over here and you now you have every game ever for only four bucks yeah i mean there'd be hacking of course but there's got to be ways around it there's smart people out there who can figure out how to make sure that you only have the game somehow for that amount of time and no matter what you're locked back out afterwards i mean i mean i mean they killed pt but people still have it Mm -hmm. and still know a way to get around to get it to people so so i i yes I mean, it would be really hard to do it, so I agree that there will be a way to do it at some point. I think the only other issue is, again, getting back to the industry being so big, if nobody buys Resident Evil 2 for 60 bucks, they're not going to recoup that investment that they put all those millions or however many dollars into. I mean, sure, a bunch of people renting it for a couple days for 4 bucks, that's going to give them some money, and they'd probably get money from me that they wouldn't get just charging it full price for 60 but you got to think millions of people buying it for 60 bucks or twos of millions of people renting it for four that you with with how big these damn well, games here's are. the kicker maybe here's the kicker how about you put it behind a playstation plus 
or a PlayStation or the Xbox uh, Games Pass or whatever it is. You put it behind a subscription model. So not only do you rent it, so you're paying the four bucks to rent it for a day or two, but of course you got to pay the subscription model. And part of the subscription model is games opt into this rental service. And so they get a cut of whatever monthly subscription model this is. So you're getting like a game fly going. But I, I feel like in that in that scenario you'd have PS Plus like what we we pay right mm-hmm. now, which just to play multiplayer games. Then you have PS Plus Plus with this tier of games. PS Plus Plus. So you would have to buy. You'd end up pay, yeah. I feel like you'd end up paying like two hundred dollars a year to play those four or five or six games that you're Well, but then what you do at that point, if you want to go on the multiple tier systems, instead of having to rent them, now they're there. So now you're just paying this subscription model based off what you can afford up to that point, and then you're getting access to all these other games. But say you don't want to go into the AAA tier because you're not going to pay them $39.99 a month or 50 bucks a month or whatever it is, which even so, if you think about it, if you're going to play games like a Frico... That's still worth it. Sixty bucks a month, and yeah. you're gonna get every access to every video game period, all year round. I, I, I still think that's it's that's st- too. It's, it's still it's too work little out. price for what yeah, you'd be but getting. Not really, because I what no, like it is a for, right for the companies though is what I'm saying. I don't know about that because as it stands, they don't get my money. Period. I two well, games well, a year get my money. <laughs> that's it. But, <laughs> I think you'd have to be like in the two hundred dollars a month because if you're saying it's going to the subscription service, it's getting split between all the companies. Why would they ever put anything on there when they can really release a standalone game you have to buy for sixty instead of putting it on this service and getting a piece of a part of that? You you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like thinking of it from a corporate mindset. You have to be able to sell a product at the most at the highest price you could possibly sell it for to get the most profit because you are a company and that's what you have to do. I don't know, man. I st- like I, I, I like the idea. Like I, I really like the idea of Microsoft Game Pass uh-huh. and I think PS Plus could do something really similar and I would like it a lot. But I think once you get into just brand new games or just going to a subscription service, it has to be that company based. Like, Microsoft can do it yeah, with, their with their stuff because the money's coming Capcom, to them. Capcom, EA, Ubisoft, da 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 all have their own They could all do subscription that. Yeah. model. But maybe you buy in packages like that, you know? You, you subscribe to your PlayStation Plus, and then you go in and you get the Capcom bundle. And so now you pay... But you can't do that with cable TV well, because cable they want, TV they want all, the, they want all the money. I hate cable they TV. Want all the, they want it all. <laughs> Just pay for everything. Don't get bits and pieces. No, don't sling TV. Or at the very least, That's not maybe cool. allow some kind of system where if you pay a premium, you get to do uh, two, three-hour slices of, uh, of, all, of all these you know, AAA titles, of all the games coming out. Hmm. And then at the end, they do the typical, hey... Was hey, that great? If you want to keep Click playing, the button, you'll buy the game, and you keep going. And 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 take out that chunk. Like if you, if, like we talked about the rental mm-hmm. service. If you pay four four ninety nine for four hours of the game, well, hey, now it's fifty yeah, six or whatever it is. So that yeah. allows you at least to get through a few hours of the game for the four bucks or whatever. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. this game is cool, but it's not what I was really thought, what I thought it was. And then you walk away, and you got to at least play it. You can say, hey, yeah, no, I played for four hours. I can tell you about this mm-hmm. and that and this and the other, but it wasn't for me. Or you pay the rest of the the rest of the price, and away you go. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I don't know, because it's just I feel like there's too much going by right now. There's so there's so much slipping by, and I'm never gonna get back to it because next year is just gonna be a million other awesome games coming out. So why would I go back to last year's awesome games when this year's got 20 more for me? And I feel like another part of it, and I feel like maybe we've talked about this before, or it's it's such an argument that everyone's had yeah. already that I, I feel like it's been talked into the ground, but if they're going to be this many good games out, they have to be shorter. I agree. And people have to be okay with that. Like, I loved Red Dead, but that was a long-ass game. And I would have I would have still loved it if it was about half as long, or games like Witcher Three. I love that game without all the DLCs to make it a hundred and twenty hundred and fifty hours. I still loved it just as much, but still to this day you see people, and we had this conversation when RPGs were the big game. It was like, oh, it's sixty hours. Well, is it seventy though? 
well, this one's seventy, so this one's better. Mm. And More so bang you for still my see butt. that. Be like, yeah, people, you still see that with just straight action games. Oh, it's an eight to ten hour, great fun time. Well, it's only eight to ten hours. Where's the rest of it? People need to start being satisfied well, with smaller I stuff. I agree with that. Like I f-ing played Donut County, and that was two hours, and I finished the whole game and did everything in it. But it was amazing, and I had the greatest experience with it. So I think people need to like. People got to get used to shorter stuff so you can enjoy more things. Otherwise, this is just going to keep happening. My issue, though, comes in the fact that, like, God of War was an exception. God of War, just phenomenal beyond crazy belief. I would pay a lot of prices to play that game. Doesn't matter. But there's some games that are great, that are phenomenal, but they're six hours long. Now, I can turn around, though, and I can go to one of my games as a service games, and it's phenomenal. It's great. It's amazing. And it's... Mm -hmm hundreds of hours long mm-hmm. whether we like it or not there that's just it's a glaring thing it, you can't get around mm-hmm. that and if you're if you're you know in in uh in a, in a spot where you need money and you've got to pick and choose it's just bottom line is this game may be the best game ever right there sitting there for 60 bucks but it's only seven eight hours or this game that's phenomenal just a great time and it's 180 hours, you can't look past that. I just don't think you can look past that. I don't think you can. I, I mean, I, I agree. I see where the like, value I, I understand what you're saying. But at the same point, I think people have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. If Unless they just... I mean, but then if you the just want to play Destiny continue, 2 yeah. forever... Then you have to be yeah, fine with fine. missing out on a million other games. Exactly. But if... I mean, that's why I love indie games, because I play them for three or four hours and they're done. And, I mean, those are cheap, but then I can have all these interesting experiences. And, sure, I might miss out on the big thing that's 130 more hours, but I, I, I don't know. But that's what I'm saying is we're at the point where there's AAA titles, tons mm. of great AAA titles just flowing right past, you know, mm. and you can't get them because... You know, you can only get three, four games a year, and there's, you just can't pay 20, yeah. 30 freaking games worth of $60 price points. And, and you're an adult who has to go to work, so you can't put yeah. 120 hours into a game into, this month yeah, exactly. to get in time for the next one, the next, next month. one, next month hitting the ground. Yeah, And you're like, okay, well, then it starts passing you by. But I don't want it to mm-hmm. pass you. As, as a game enthusiast, I want to play these games. I want to sample all these titles, and I have no way of doing yeah. it. It's... Oh, yeah, here's that title. I and mean, we say it all the time. Yeah, that title looks great. I'd love to play that one. I don't know if I'm ever going to. Oh, there it goes. Goodbye. <laughs> That's so much of IG2G. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, man, that sounds amazing. There's been at least nine or ten games that I've said that. And then, oh, I don't have any time to play that. But I put it on my wish list and I never get mm-hmm. it. There's got to be a point now where since there's so many developers, so many publishers out there, everyone's putting out fantastic games, the system's got to change. And obviously, we yeah. just talked about it forever and can't quite figure out a way to do it where people are going to be happy. They're going to make all the money they want. I see. I, I was going to say, I think we could make people happy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that we can make the, the company the happy on top and of the that. The publishers happy. But there needs to be a shift change because I think they're going to, you know, and apparently it's not doing too bad, but I feel like it's going to get to a point where you're going to see another fall in developers and companies back in, like, in the day when the B games all fell away. You know, B and C and all those, it all went away. It was AAA or Indies. That was it. We're getting to the point now where there's so many AAA awesome titles that I think we're going to have to see a collapse. And, and I, th- I I almost feel like that's coming because of all the, how trendy video games have gotten. Like, I mean, oh, look, Battle Royale is a hot thing. So everybody's got to do a Battle Royale. Like a new one just came out today. Which looks amazing. And- Apex for Titanfall 2. Oh, my God. Everybody got to check that out. <laughs> Holy crap. Get out of here. <laughs> but, but, I mean, Freespawn does no business on that. Well, what's EA going to do? They're going to go, hey, sorry, guys, kick you out of the out of the umbrella, and good luck funding your next thing. So I, f- I feel like it's more likely to happen now with just the way the industry operates, where this gets big, so everybody's got to do it. Hero shooters are big. Everyone's got to do a hero shooter. This company's gone. That company's gone. This company's gone. That game was a total failure. Now this guy's out of the industry forever. I, I feel like we're in danger of going that way, but at least my indies will be safe because they're still good. For a while, anyway. They're starting to blow. They're starting to blow. 
Well, I think we're going to see something happen with that genre too because now you can load it into your Switch or Steam and there's just a billion different freaking indie games of every kind now. So, well, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we need a change. I feel like there has to be a new system put into place for gaming. It's too big. It's getting too big. Yeah. And there's too many great games, great developers out there putting out awesome stuff that's just passing by and they're losing money and shutting down quietly and getting moved into different projects and it shouldn't be happening. And I feel like there's a way we could fix it somehow, but I don't know. I'm just a stupid guy in the basement, so guess I'm not figuring it out. Just hearing my dirty that's white right. tea, man. I don't know what I could do. <laughs> but I, I could go on and we could diverge into another conversation about trending games, but I don't want to because I'm starving. And uh, need to get off and eat. <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and let's wrap yes, it up. Imposters wrap up. So what do you guys think? Are there too many damn big games out there? Do you just love the indie games like me? Are you satisfied? Are you missing out? What what do you think? How could it be better? Do you want to rent games? Do you want do you want to do any of the things? Any of the million things that we talked about? Let us know your feedback. Let us know your thoughts. Contact us via email at info at thirdshift.me. Tweet at us at thirdshiftme. And hey, maybe just find us on Facebook under Third Shift. That'd be nice, too. That'd be nice. And while you're looking around for us, maybe check us out over on Patreon. If you like what you heard, you think we did a great job, got a laugh, got anything out of it, consider throwing us a buck, five bucks, a thousand bucks, or maybe they coveted a million dollars where we'll open up a food line and put babies in jars and sell them to you. Yes, we treat this thing like a tip jar. Whatever you can give is the most blessed thing ever. Like a million dollars in babies in jars. And that's that's one AAA game I will not miss out on. I guarantee you that. Once Death Stranding is here, I don't care how much I got to sell, selling plasma, selling my bones. You're getting it. I'll be playing that All game. Right. That's not getting missed. Well, we'll see. Time will tell when that game comes out. Hashtag 2022. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Anyways, if you got no money, you can't throw us a buck. That's understandable. You got to pay bills. You got to do what you got to do. You can support us over on Twitter, giving us the feedback, giving us the follows. You can give us the five star ratings on the iTunes, the follows on the Facebooks, mailbag questions, uh, feedback of any kind, sort, anywhere, anyhow. It's very helpful and makes us feel very much appreciated. And of course, this podcast drops every two weeks on Tuesday, so we'll be back in your rear holes on the 19th of February for our very next episode. And you can find that episode on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services, because it does help us out. And we really do appreciate it. Indeed we do, just like we appreciate those five-star ratings, yeah. You see where I was going with that? Yeah, I was about to do you Love is Toxic, some Britney Spears. Now they're going to be like, no, you're going to get copyrighted and then all the profit, which is zero, comes off this podcast to them. Suck it, Britney Spears. You get nothing. <laughs> I didn't even know that was the song you were going for. I was just like, hey, it's a song yeah. time. What? Oh, man. I was too scared to go full in because then we'd get that stupid copyright. Uh-huh. Oh, Our one view would go exactly. to Britney Spears Damn instead. Exactly. Damn you, Britney. You don't need it, Brittany. <laughs> Give it back. Mm. When with that, though, there's nothing else to say. But don't, don't forget, forget to, to say, say your love is toxic. No, no, shh, no, stop, no! That's all right. I hate you too, Eric. <laughs> Wipe the tears from my eyes before I start this one. There we go. We're not very good friends. I, mean, I know, right? It was mean. Everybody's so mean all the time. Everybody's mean to us. We're nice guys, too. Are we? I'm not so sure about that. Of course we are, Eric. <laughs> <laughs>